those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show, and here we are on 100.5 FM Corp Radio, talking movies because we love it. All right, everybody, let's head dive right into it. Today, our guest is everybody. Raise your hands for Dave Chick. How are you doing, Dave? Go again. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. There's there you my go. Mic. I love it. Love there it. you go. Let's let's uh, let's pop that up right on. So, <laughs> let me ask you, Dave, for the people out there who don't know you. Who are you? I am a local film composer, sound designer, mixer for obviously film. So mm-hmm. we're, I run a studio out of uh, my backyard. Have a little shed out there with um, that I've set up, and um, yeah, that's what I do. Amazing. All day. So film and sound mixing, uh, basically the film composing music for film and uh, mixing sound for film, basically yeah. everything that has to do with the invisible necessity of filmmaking <laughs> in a way. Yes, basically everything to do with post-production audio, that's, uh, I'll handle it. So, you know, you've got ADR, you've got sound design, you've got Foley, uh, music, all that sort of stuff. I started out in music and then started dabbling in all the other parts. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So. Let's 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 get into it right now. Let's do it. Let me ask you, how did you get into post-production sound in the first place? I um, have always been interested in uh, recording and uh, so forth. I, I'm a musician by trade, you know. So I've, I've I came up through you know piano lessons since I was five years old, and uh, when I got into high school, I started to, you know you got bit by the uh, the band, you got to join a band. And I bought my first synthesizer and started uh, dabbling in recording uh, with that. And as I, you know, grew up and through through all my journey, I just knocked the mic. <laughs> so good, so good, so good. <laughs> through all my journeys, uh, eventually got to the point where, how can I exercise this, uh, you know, this passion for audio and music? without being in a band and having to tour around and leave the family behind and and that that was sort of impractical at that point so i decided how can i uh, you know encompass that creativity and uh film composing sort of came up because i was uh, at that point i was down in seattle and uh there's this fantastic program called uh the pacific northwest film program run by a uh, composer uh, named hummy man mm-hmm. uh, his fa- claim to fame is uh, robin hood men in tights and a couple of the other mel brooks films and uh, he ran this two-year program which took you through learning uh contemporary music theory and uh the, the technical aspects of syncing music to to film and uh, at the end of it you get to write for a full orchestra have your uh, score played by a real live orchestra synced to uh, a film and that's sort of was the jumping off point for me and uh, from there 
film composing sort of landed a sound design gig where somebody said, hey, do you do sound design? It's like, oh, how hard can that be? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, started dabbling into that and that beget some ADR work and um, you know, so, so on you, and so forth. You also mentioned you're a musician. Yes, uh, yes. What do you play? I play piano. Amazing. Piano and keyboards and uh, I hack at guitar. <laughs> 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 well, I have to say piano, of course, uh, so much in there. And, and nowadays, you know, uh, with, the, you know, composing music, basically be, being able to use MIDI, uh, you know, yeah. there is a lot that, that, that is, it's possible. And, in, in, you know, the boundaries of music, you know, are just, inc- we're just breaking every boundary right now oh, with, yeah, with yeah. you know, digital as well. What's your take on that? Well, that's, that's one of the, the cool things is that, the, like you said, the barriers to entry into uh, film composing or even uh, being an artist, uh, a music artist, digital artist, what have you, because of the advent of, uh, of computers, it's the sky's the limit. So you do not have to uh, you know, go through the, the gauntlet that people used to go through to get to be a film composer so to speak um, before you had to be able to orchestrate and and arrange and have a very intimate knowledge of music how to translate that from ideas to paper to play in front of musicians and nowadays you can just do it all on one one computer and you can do it in the fraction of a time mm-hmm. um, you know the lead time that they used to have to do for scores uh, for film and TV was a matter of weeks, months, years sometimes. And now you can get somebody to call you up on Monday. Hey, I've got a short film that needs music. It's five minutes long. Can you do it by Friday? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Wow. That's, uh, and, You've you been know, in that situation before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. How do you approach it? How do you actually, what's the, what's the list? How do you approach scoring films? Um, my first inkling is one one to get uh, uh, you know a sense from the director what is it what is the story what is what is the main idea that they're trying to get out there uh, with the uh, with the film and then it's really diving into the details of the entire uh, movie breaking it breaking it up into sections breaking it up into scenes that need music and don't need music and where it does need music you sit down with a director and you, you do this thing, uh, a spotting session so you both watch the film together and you uh, start discussing this scene doesn't need music if so or if you if if you think so what is the audience supposed to feel because that's, that's really what the the essence of music in a film is is to embody the emotion um, and you know gener- basically put that on the audience so that they have empathy for the characters that are out there uh, on the screen. It really works as a bridge between the feeling that is emanating from the film and the audience, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, it might be, you know, it might, might be an overt feeling where they look at y- you as an audience member don't really need the music to tell you that, but it might, the music might be supporting that or enhancing it, but it also might be something that turns on the he- on its head where you might see something, but the music then suggests something else. I see, I so see. So you can really screw around with an audience's <laughs> mind that Right way. on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking about um, shaping music and really uh, giving it its own space, how do you get to figure out how to mix music in the overall sound mix? 
I like to err on the side of not putting music in unless it's necessary. Mm -hmm. If uh, if there's dialogue going on, I don't like to. I, I try to shy away from music. Uh, if it's evident from the action and um, the performances that the actors are, are giving, or or what have you, what is the music serving? You know, you always have to ask that question. With the director says, "I need music here." Well, is it just to fill space? Is it to, um, is it just to because you feel uncomfortable with the silence? Sometimes that silence is what's needed to really, you know, get the audience on edge and uncomfortable and so forth. You know, that's that the music is not there just to sort of yeah. The motivation uh, behind yeah. the music is pretty much everything, exactly. right? Without a, without a purpose, there is no no such thing yeah. as, as effective music. You know, exactly. Yeah. If you could ask something, something more to directors out there. What would it be as a as basically post production sound? <laughs> yeah, what would it be? What would you tell to your directors? It's it's one of those things where as directors uh, get more films under their belt and they get more mature um, and more experience, they get a better appreciation for what the post production um, you know step in film production. Um, you know gives to the film uh there is a lot that can go on in the post-production stage that really helps makes the film pop um and you see this in in, in beginning directors uh and s some that are just coming out of film school where they've been you know told get that shot right get that lighting right get it's all about the production you know it, that's a sexy aspect of um uh, of the whole process is the production aspect it's exciting it's it's a short very intense kind of thing but then you get to the post-production and they say oh you just get an editor to do something and they'll fix it and stuff blah 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 being able to be on set and pay attention to the sound mixer that's on set uh, making sure that they have everything they need to be able to mic up the appropriate uh, the characters get the boom in the right place uh, get that room tone mm -hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> and um, you make sure that they they're getting a clean audio signal uh, that's that's something because the sole purpose of recording sound on set is just to get the dialogue and get clean dialogue and if that that comes to the uh, post-production as you've got a set of lav mics and you've got the, the boom mic that are just on target. You know, you've got uh, like the, the clothes rustles and all that stuff are down to a minimum. You're picking up some of the footsteps and the ambience on the, on the set. You know, that's, that's bonus. But if the dialogue is clean, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do you get to really clarify that dialogue? Uh, Let me ask you on, on a technical perspective, from a technical point of view as well, you know. Well, from on, on set, if if something that I'm really curious about is in post production, there seems to be there seem to be so many ways to really treat sound and and yeah. cook it up, and right. you know, and I'm curious what what filmmakers can do if you know they have a short piece of of, of video, you know, a short a short film they're doing on their own, yeah. and they just they just have the time and, and and opportunity to just do it themselves, you know. Yeah. How how technically speaking, how could they actually get to make sure that the the mix is clean? Well, from a uh, post-production standpoint, there, there are some tools that we have. Um, we have the, these things called um, uh, 
the, the main one that is out there now is called uh, Isotope RX, and it's okay. basically it's a it's a program. It's essentially Photoshop for audio, <laughs> and that's uh, that's been like a you know godsend from uh, for the last few years. And it's you get a piece of dialogue that's a little bit noisy, or there's certain aspects of it that's not that it's not coming through. You can there's tools there to bring things and tease things out and you know get rid of the noise and so forth so there's stuff that they can do on the post-production without having to resort to adr that's always the, the last resort if there's the audio is too quiet or it's just too many crackles or somebody screwed something up on set um adr is always a possibility do you have any fun adr stories with you oh there was one uh <laughs> film that i did and the director had um it was the audio was just way too quiet we to to bring up the levels to be able to at, be at a theater level sound the noise floor was just it was going to bring people the audience out of their uh suspension of disbelief so we had to bring and it was one of these scenes where it was underneath these sheets and like super close-ups of the uh, actors so you could see their lips oh moving, i see smacking okay. and so there's <laughs> no way you could screw up the sink on this stuff so it was one of those things where you just had to we were sitting in the control booth and having the actors go over their dialogue and it i think we got like 20 25 takes oh, of damn. this stuff you know nope nope Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> because it's so intimate. That that's that, that was one of those scenes. It was like the worst nightmare to have to do ADR on was the, this this kind of very intimate scene, and um, but we got it. It, it. it worked out great. Yeah, it seems yeah. like sometimes you know it's very easy to catch an ADR line. You know, it's like oh yes. that's that's ADR. You yes. know, it's like that's sort of like a you know. Um, it just that one thing tells so much about the film right yeah, and the way yeah. it was made and everything and it's like damn we got to keep our keep our eyes and ears open for that well for that's sure. one of the fun, fun things is that uh you look at my, the a-list movies that are out there from what i've learned it's like 50 percent to 70 percent of the dialogue that you see in the the stuff that's in wide release is already is done in a adr anyways so um you get uh, an indie film that's out there that only has to have maybe a couple lines of ADR. That's great, but it's 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 so much out there now that you look at a scene on a, a commercial release. <clears throat> I'd say 100% of the sound is manufactured really? after the fact. Like that's that's a lot that's that's going on. It's gotten to the point. You look back at like films like. Uh, the Indiana Jones franchise back in the 80s and the 90s and you uh, like even Blade Runner you, you went to see the original Blade Runner before we uh, we saw 2049 a lot of that stuff is like you know the flubbed lines the mm -hmm. noise level is off and stuff you don't see that anymore <laughs> because they want the clean pristine sound and they do that all in the studios yeah it feels yeah. like the audience uh, has been uh, let's say smartening up in a way yeah know? yeah uh, when it yeah. comes down to both visual language but also you know when it comes down to sound and yeah. you know we, we we just know subconsciously when things are off you yeah know? yeah and we know like oh i don't know what was wrong with that scene 
but it just didn't flow. Well, yeah. there you go. Those are the things that, that really, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really what, what it's all about, you know, those invisible things that really make it happen. And that's why, that's why it's so interesting to talk with you about sound because that's that bridge. Sound is that invisible bridge that is necessary to tell the story. So yeah. with that, I want to ask you, what is the number one thing that you always do or you always make sure when a project is presented to you? I just want to make sure, uh, my number one thing is to be able to uh, make sure that communication lines are open, mm -hmm. expectations are being set, expectations are being met. So I get a film project in and I take a listen through it and identify where my work has to happen, whether it be music or whether it be um, sound design or mixing or so forth. Being able to set the expectation of this is what I can do, this is how much time it's going to take, and obviously this is how much it's going to cost. Setting all those kinds of expectations up, up front uh, so that when you get into the work, nothing comes out of out of left field and like i i thought you were going to do this or i thought oh, for sure you know, just that, that kind of seeing at the the boundaries and for the times that things have gone wrong or somehow you have witnessed projects go wrong um what was it the thing that really or what were the things that made it go the way it went i think it was the indecisiveness um if it's a director or an um um whoever on the team uh there was a, a film that the director just could not stop editing he uh would even through the post-production we got halfway through sound design and he was changing the edits and it was one of those things where if you you you've, you're locking a picture it's locked yes there are extenuating <laughs> circumstances where you may have to go back and say okay i've got to remove these frames or yeah. i have to add these frames you know there's something that has to be done okay but if you have to do that three four times after you said your picture's locked then that starts to get a little tiresome <laughs> yeah did you did you find yourself by any chance wandering you know in front of a piece of music you know oh i wish i could do this or oh i wish i could do that you know always yeah. <laughs> it's one of the i forget who i think it was da vinci that said you know art is never finished it's always just abandoned or you know it you just just stop working on it but it's one of those things where you put something out there you deliver a final product and even when you get to the theater, it's I always get the butterflies uh, when I see it in, in a theater in front of other people and so forth. And you're just like, oh, God, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why do, did I forget that? What is bit? the time that you say, now I got to stop it? Now I got to take it for what it is? It's you work. I, I think that's the thing. You your art or the amount that you're going to work on a piece is going to expand with the time given. So if you're given two days, you're going to take up all those two days. If it's going to be two weeks, it's going to take up all those two weeks until somebody has to say, "You, I've got to get it to the editor. We've got to put a composite together and ship it kind of thing. So it's that's when it's done is when somebody else says, you're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's always a, a balance, right? It's a big game. You know? it it's is. a game of yeah. time and resources. You know, yeah. that's how it flows. I want to ask you something regarding uh, music, you know, yeah. since you're a musician and you play the piano. Um, I actually want to ask you, have you ever uh, thought about uh, dedicating uh, your life mainly to playing the piano? It was one of those things when I was 
coming up through high school, I was um, I was playing all these big uh, the big pieces like um, Beethoven sonatas, Chopin, wow. polonaises, and high five, uh, high yeah, five in the booth, yeah, all that Amazing. stuff. Um, you know, my teacher, I have the big hands that uh, could reach like a tenth and stuff. So they gave me the Rachmaninoffs and these big mm-hmm. pieces. Um, and my teachers are always saying, "Oh, you should go into performing, go to U of T, the Faculty of Music, or go to Juilliard, blah blah blah." And it was one of those things where I was like. No, I, <laughs> I'd rather go. I, I, I sincerely enjoyed it. I, I, I was, I was the only person in my family that was musical. My parents, my sister, nothing, um, and I obviously sincerely enjoyed it. But it did not have the dedication, or I personally didn't think I had the dedication to be a serious classical musician. Um, so I went off to the teaching route. I wanted to be a high school music teacher. It's one of those things where I experienced a really awesome music teacher that inspired the class. And, you know, those people that you want to go to band practice, you want to get up on stage, you're proud of being in that ensemble, mm-hmm. to another high school where it was the end of this guy's career and he was just jaded and he was mm-hmm. like, ah, shut up, sit down, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it was one of those things, I could do this. Like I've seen what an awesome music teacher looks like and I love that. I want to I want to shoot for that. So mm-hmm. I went off to be... Uh, uh, music teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. That's a great is... story right there. Yeah. That's an interesting story because then from music teaching, teaching music, you know, and then here you are making composing music for films. Yeah, but there was a big there's a big gap in, in the middle there. Let's get into there. it. Let's get into it. <laughs> I graduated in '91 with a music degree, and uh, at that time. Uh, there was a lot of cutbacks being ha- um, in, in the, the education uh, um, industry, so to speak. Uh, so I decided probably not the best time to go out and be a music teacher because I'm probably going to get, you know, stonewalled for like five, mm-hmm. six, six years doing nothing. Uh, so I went off to do uh, a business degree and I got my MBA and uh, went on a totally different path. Um, I was spent about 10 to 12 years in consulting, uh, technology management, project management, and so forth. Um, ended up in Seattle working for the Experience Music Project, which was uh, started by Paul Allen. And it was a rock and roll museum, highly technical uh, rock and roll museum. And I was hired to be the senior project manager. Um, eventually, as it grew, I became the Man, or the director of all projects there. So it was all the exhibits, all the construction, all the, the technology stuff that was going on. And this was in the midst of them transitioning over into the science fiction museum as well. So he, he's one of, he was one of these guys that just sort of looked at all the cool stuff that he liked and wanted to put it all in one place. So I met a lot of cool people and I was like, that was when I started getting bitten by, huh, I could get back into music and actually make a living because I was surrounded by all these mm-hmm. artists and these people that supported the artists, like uh, guys who used to go out on tour with folks like uh, Tommy Lee and uh, Motley Crue, uh, Eric Clapton, Prince, all these guys that just, they they just had an aura about them. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. I could do something other than performing, other than music teaching. There's all this other stuff. There's audio engineering. There's um, scoring for film. There's all this cool stuff that I never really entertained up until that point. 
and that's sort of where I transitioned over to uh, to uh, being a film composer. Amazing. So, what's your piece of advice to all uh, post-production sound mixers or music composers out there? Well, I think f- anybody getting into this, um, they have to be ready for a long haul. Uh, they also have to have the tenacity, and it's not all about your skill. It's a lot of relationship building. There's a lot of person to person, you know, shaking hands, getting to know people, meeting new people, uh, getting yourself known, and always being committed to the project, being committed to their vision. Um, a lot of pe- musicians I hear coming, you know, looking at film scores and stuff, they look at it and say, I could do that. And it's, they, some can, you know, they've got the, oh, damn it. Interesting. That <laughs> was an interesting sound. That's a good uh, sound mixing. Sound effect. You, yeah. that in. you know, you've got the Danny Elfman's, Trevor Rabin's, uh, you know, like um, Trent Reznor's, uh, those guys who came from a musician, um, you know, popular musician transitioned over into film scoring. But there's, there's a, um, there's a balance of being able to, you know, coming from that where your music is the art, the thing that's focused on, to coming to being able to support somebody else's art. Um, whether you're composing, you're doing sound design, yes, you're putting your work into it, but it's not your art. You're supporting, you're creating art to support somebody else's vision, somebody's art. And you've got to keep that in mind. Uh, you got to be able to put your ego aside. you got to be able to put... Um, your um your, your your pre your preconceptions of what is there and listen listen to what the director listen to the producer what do they want and how can you go and help and support them and collaborate with them wow that was great wow <laughs> so nice and neat so smooth that was dave chicky we are on room tone the radio show talking movies uh, post-production sound for today especially and it's time for a little break. This being said, you chose for us today the soundtrack of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Let me ask you, why did you choose that soundtrack? Oh, I mean, I gave you a list, and that's when Yes, <laughs> Dave Chick sent me a huge <laughs> list. Like, Dave, man, like, I think I never received a list that long, but the first one in the list was Grand Budapest Hotel. So I said, uh, okay, there has uh, to be a reason why that's the first one, you know? I'm sure yeah. he felt it. Yeah, Alexandre Desplat, he's, uh, oh, he's a powerhouse uh, and one of these composers, for me at least, that came out of left field. Uh, you know, he had the John Williams, he had the John Powells, um, Marconi, all the greats. And um, Desplat has been sort of this... Uh, dark horse that's been coming along and then the grand budapest hotel was one of those song or song movies that i saw it was so quirky um (laughs) and it was i the music was it's a you know if people haven't seen it it's about this fake uh country and this hotel uh you know the trials and tribulations of uh this hotel up on this mountain and it's uh he was able to you know, create this soundscape of this uh, Mediterranean sound of, um, you know, you've got mandolins and, and stuff, and very simple, uh, te- from a technical standpoint, very simple music. Uh, but it was such a quirky sound that really pushed and drove 
the the action and the absurdity of the the film over the edge and i was just like who is this guy <laughs> and i've been keeping my eye on him ever since it was it was just fantastic i love the score on this one wonderful a great example of when music can really embrace so many different layers and textures uh, in you know in film so this is the new lobby boy uh, by alexander desplat everybody love this. enjoy <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show, and here we are on 100.5 FM Cop Radio, talking movies because we love it. Here we are with uh, uh, Dave Cheek, uh, talking post-production sound um, in the film community here in Vancouver. Let me ask you, Dave, how did you end up in Vancouver? It was actually my wife. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I met my wife at, at uh, uh, we both did our uh, MBAs together in Hamilton, McMaster. And uh, we did one year in Ottawa where I grew up. And it was basically, she was from Vancouver and she, one winter in Ottawa and she says, that's it. <laughs> <We're done. laughs> and you know she brought me out here and it was just is wonder wonderful city to uh to to live in and uh i was like okay fine so we packed up we came here and uh i've been out here for 23 24 years at least on the west coast between vancouver and seattle um and um how do you feel about the vancouver film community oh there is nothing that i can say uh, that's that's bad. It's so supportive. Um, the people that are in this community 
love it. They just exude um, the passion. And uh, I, I, a little sidetracking, my, my daughter, she's a teenager, 14 years old, and she's bitten a little bit by the acting bug. So she's wanted to try out acting. And there was a, um, Veronica Kuntz had a, um, a, a casting call for teenagers at a, a one of her, her films she produced. Um, you know, produced back in the summer. Uh, I think it's called 20 Minutes to Life or something. I, I think that's the title of it. Anyways, my daughter was brought on as an extra, and I was like, it's going to be really boring. You're going to be there <laughs> sitting on set, called for maybe five, ten minutes, and that's it. And, yeah, I, we went there at, like, 9 a.m. call. Uh, we sat down. She got the, the hair, the makeup. Uh, we were sitting around in the, the cast... Um, you know, room because you know they have to be chaperoned by a parent. So I got uh, the taker, and uh, by the end of the day, she came out. Uh, I thought it was going well, but you know, she's you know a typical teenager, not really, you know, too much outwards emotion. And then she got in the car. It's like, when can I do that again? You know, the mm. the crew was just fantastic, and she just loved the attention, and they were just like treating them like you know her just like a like a little queen and stuff even though she was a little bit part in the back of the the scene and so forth and she just loved it and that was sort of indicative of this whole community you know the the people that are there they're not jaded at all they just love love film and that's what i love about this whole thing is you can just call up somebody and they want to talk about their project and what you're doing what they're doing and you, you just have this exchange um you know sort of whole bubbling pot of creative talent here this is awesome i mean uh, the film community here in vancouver definitely is very dynamic and yeah. intimate we just had crazy eights oh, happening yeah. you know and you can really see when the community comes all oh, together what yeah. can happen you oh, know yeah. such a such a such a really we're so lucky to be here and you know be part of this amazing community oh totally let's totally. let's uh let's i want to ask you something you know you said you know <laughs> You're also a father. So what yes. about that balance, you know, of working in films and be a father, right? Well, I think one of the cool things about the uh, the job that I have right now uh, is that I can make my own hours. And uh, the, my studio's at home on, on the property. And, um, you know, once the kids are off at school, I can go and do it you know, take care of them when they come back in terms of making sure their homework and, you know, uh, you know, they put their stuff away, their beds are made, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then once dinner's done, I, and I still have, if I still have stuff to do, I can still go out to the studio, but I can still have time, uh, for, for the family, which is, which is cool. And there's nothing better than being able to finish the day, have the family around the dinner table, um, have a, have a dinner and then like, maybe go snuggle up on the couch with uh, with my wife and watch uh, stuff on the PVR, that kind of stuff. Um, it's a it's a balance, um, and there's it's so easy to, in this industry, to put that, I'm working really hard, I'm working all these hours, I'm putting all my attention into work and wearing that badge on, on, your, uh, on your shoulder saying, look how hard I'm working and stuff. But there is a balance that you have to take or at least i found is that you have to balance out the family you mm -hmm. have to balance out a lot of the important things uh being family friends relationships and being in the moment with the people that you care about 
Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Being yeah. in the moment, lots of important words in there, you know. <laughs> and the, the, you know, and basically film and the, the, you know, there is always so much stuff happening. And you know, as you said, being so busy, so many different projects happening, um, that that definitely is a big challenge. And yeah. you know, you don't take it for granted, you know. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that you know, you're a father and you're part of a family, and that's something that needs to be celebrated, you know. Yeah, like three teenagers definitely take up a lot of time. But it's <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> it's fun. And, you know, they all have their own passions. You know, we have uh, my eldest; he's total academic guy, which is you know, a little bit of a disappointment to me. But <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, they, they all have their own passions and, you know, being able to support them and say, you love something, you run with it, you find that passion, go with it. It's all good. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. Well, what's what you've been cooking right now these days? What's what's been oh, happening these past these past uh, these past weeks? I just came off a gauntlet of um, tr- uh, I triple booked some uh, gigs. I had two sound design projects and a composing gig, and I'm just uh, tonight's my final review with uh, a feature that I was sound designing, and I've already delivered the other two. But it was one of those. Uh, what did I do? <laughs> Why did I do that? And there's a couple more coming up next week, uh, uh, sound design and composing gigs. And it's just, it's, I, I've got to say, well, you mentioned the Crazy Eights. That was um, something I did last year. Um, and that was just one of those, I never realized what, you know, the power of this community that opened up floodgates. You know, being able to compose uh, the score for Extraordinary Amy and having your name attached to one of those crazy eights. You know, my being able to take advantage of that platform and run with it, it's it's been, it's a good problem to have, but I've been super busy ever since. Mm-hmm. It's been like project after project after project. It's, and they just keep on coming, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's the community, right? Things yeah. keep happening, and as you said, it is, it is as much as about the technical and the skills that is as it is about meeting people, right? It's the passion and, and the relationships. Yeah. 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 Passion, keyword yeah. right there. Passion. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So let me ask you about your your own company. You know, your your own. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> you know, um, I've seen just looking at your phone. I see the cover and there is the logo of your company. And like, I have to say, man, look at that. Ain't that something? That's uh, yeah. My uh, friend I, I met through the community, Nikki Wall, and she's uh, she's an actor and she uh, produced and acted in a, a very uh, a short film uh, called. Uh, Oh my God, I'm going to rebuild. I almost forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She had Shannon Cole uh, direct it, and it was one of those, you know, it's evidence of the community coming together to, you know, help somebody out with with a a fantastic project. And one of the, um, you know, when she, she called me up and said, can you do sound design? I really want this. Uh, monster to have a very distinctive scream and uh, we discussed you know compensation and you know what uh, you know that kind of stuff and one of the things she said was hey I'm a I'm a designer I'm a graphic designer by day and I could design your um, a logo if that's interest of you and I was like yeah I'd love a logo that's great and so we talked about it and she came up with this egg with the two feet <laughs> popping out of the bottom with the headphones on it and I was like 
oh my god, this is awesome. I've been putting it on, on mugs, I've been on my phone case, my uh, t-shirts and stuff. And you know, anybody who's been following my on Facebook is probably sick of me posting all these <laughs> things up. But yeah, I just love it. That's it's good. That's ca that's charisma. That's personality right there. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's presence as well. So it's, uh, it's yeah. She's it's, captured by my sense of humor, my quirkiness. I think uh, in, in this logo, and I just like oh. That's me. I love it. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. How long you been uh, you been having this company? Oh, I started variations of it back in Seattle back in 2006, 2007. You know, I'm in, incorporated under a different entity, but I call my call the company Hatched Productions, mm -hmm. which sort of has all these different hidden meanings in it and so forth. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And yeah. within all of these years, you know, with the company and just in, in the world of music, what's the craziest story that pops into your mind? Uh jeez. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I I I think some of the craziest stories happens uh, uh it's actually other people's stories <laughs> that come to mind when you you ask me that question it's like uh one of the the folks that i met down at uh experience music project he was um he was the guitar tech for a um uh for for clapton And um, it was one of those things where he says it was an hour before the show, and these uh, he comes up and he says, "I want my my guitar is out of whack. I need every it be refretted right away." And it, it, if you don't, if you're not unaware of a guitar, all those little um, parallel metal bars that um, sort of delineate where the notes are on a guitar neck, those are the frets, and you have to peel each one of those out, put new ones in, and file them down so they're appropriate uh, height and, and, and stuff and it was it's a monster job but he was able to do it within the it, within the uh, um, within the hour and but that's 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 indicative of some of the stuff that you know we as a community or, or, or people who are passionate about what they want to do being able to step up mm -hmm. and uh, handle those things those curveballs that come out of the left field and deliver Yeah. Deliver. Deliver is another big word right there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, sorry. I didn't, I, I didn't even answer something from my own experience, but yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's stories are stories, you know, <laughs> and they, they're shared, they go around, they travel the world and they, and then they come back. So, uh, you know, it's always great to see how, um, you know, you look around and you see that there are so many things about film that you could never, ever stop talking about it in a way, you know, yeah. either stories or things to learn, you know, and, it being a perfect balance between a business and, a, and an art, you know, uh, it, it's like, uh, it's it's infinite, you know, and that's why so yeah. many people are attracted to it as well, I feel, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think you, I don't know who it was, it was either Steve uh, Kramer that you had on a couple of shows ago. Uh, just, yeah, Steve Kamerer, yeah. Yeah, it's talking about the, you know, the it being a very, sort of the ultimate story telling or, or vehicle to to tell a story and it, it's got all the components about that you know you, you've got uh, the visuals the the music the 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 emotional aspect of it it all sort of it's anywhere from a five minute to a two hour stint where your your disbelief is suspended you're transported to another world and you live in that world 
and then come out of it to be able to uh, reminisce about what just happened. And, uh, you know, it's it's a fantastic medium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. to that to that note, there is something that is very interesting to me because uh, people always talk about, uh, you know, escaping reality through storytelling. But it feels like if storytelling is healthy and done properly, it's actually a way to explore life. Oh, in yeah. many different ways. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's the that's the balance, right? That's where you have to choose your side in a way and be aware yeah. that there is a line in there. You yeah, you, you tell you you can you can subvert not subvert but basically bury a message in metaphors uh, within film to get across uh, meaning that somebody from an like if you're looking at it from an overt standpoint might not get but if you know people on the inside so to speak <laughs> will be able to say hey i know what you're talking about <laughs> i see i see yeah it's always about uh, subtext you know in oh, a way exactly. communication yeah. subtext yeah. is is that's where the juice is at <laughs> yeah <laughs> well now i guess it's time time has come and it's time to go for the one minute pitch oh, dear. are you ready oh dear want to make it happen all right all right so we just uh, usually give a chance to our guests to pitch something uh in one minute it could be anything uh and uh, let's discover what you chose to pitch today right now. Are you ready? <laughs> Three, two, one, let's do it. All right, yeah, that, oh, Ludio is right, that ticking is unnerving. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pitch myself. Uh, I'm a uh, composer, sound designer, mixer, uh, basically everything in the post-production uh, audio side of things. And uh, I can, I, I love to work with new folks, uh, new perspectives, new stories, uh, directors, producers, what have you. I just love meeting people and being able to collaborate. And I think that's the key is being able to collaborate with uh, people on their art, uh, whether it being creating music to uh, embody the emotion of a film or uh, create the soundscape to make your film sound fantastic. That's what I'll do for you. There goes Dave Chick, <laughs> pitching Dave Chick, guys. There you go. I'm gonna listen back to that. <laughs> that, was, oh, that, that was good. Sucked. Something. There you go. <laughs> right on. Thank you for that. Well, now it has arrived the time to before wrapping up this whole burrito, uh, we're gonna go for a little Proust questionnaire. So we're gonna uh, pick up five uh, questions randomly out of the Proust questionnaire and get to talk a little bit more about life and less about film. Cool. So let's let's head right into it. This is perfect for today. What is your greatest extravagance? Oh, my greatest extravagance. Um, I have to say, whenever, whenever anybody asks um, on any sort of audio forums or what have you, is like, what gear can you not live without? Um, <laughs> you can basically, uh, my answer is always, I can, my, my, and it sort of ties into this, the greatest extravagance. Is basically all the gear than my studio. Those—that's <laughs> probably my greatest extravagance because I can probably live without it. The most important thing that is there for me is my imagination, and you know, essentially my brain. Um, you can figure out how to get things out and get things done uh, with the tools that you have. So just having all these speakers, computers, keyboards, guitars, all, all that stuff in my studio is, is a total, it makes my job easier, it makes it uh, more efficient, but it's not 
absolutely necessary maybe for a deadline in a week or so <laughs> that might be it but it's it's your brain and it's your uh your imagination that's uh, that's key that's a great answer right there all right wow that leads us to the second question on the proof questionnaire and that is if you could change one thing about yourself what would it be what would i change um you know that's one of those those questions where you look at um like your regrets in your life and so forth. And it's one of those things where, yeah, you look back, it'd be sort of cool to go back and, um, you know, go back to points in your life and say, what if I did this instead of this? And it's, uh, but then it might change things, you know, irreversibly. Um, I think the most annoying thing is for me that I sometimes do is get lost so you know when I get into a project or somebody comes up with a score or comes to me to write a score I will uh, go down a rabbit hole of uh, listening to example pieces or or, uh, just go out on walks Um, I'm constantly thinking and being out there listening like to other people, I'm not paying attention or I, I'm uh, distracted or so forth. But in my head, I'm like focused in on this thing. Um, being able to uh, put a stop on that or at least put a damper on it when I'm in interacting with people to be able to, to to be present. I think that's one of those those things where it's like, okay, stop <laughs> you don't have to be thinking about this 24 7 kind of thing i yeah, see but that's yeah. that's again that's that's some passion right there you know uh, it is passion yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. just it, and, and it's something my my family has uh learned to sort of live with when i when i start off a new project and stuff is yeah i'll i'll be a pretty deep thinker about what are the possibilities what are some mm-hmm. of the things the directions i can go with and so forth yeah nice so yeah. thinking deep let's go on the opposite side this ah. ties up to the first question of that we had today and this is third question of the proof questionnaire what is your most treasured possession uh, oh my god that that would have to be um the friendships and the family that i have mm. it really comes down to what is it why is it that i'm doing this um and and what's what's the end benefit and the the end benefit is to be able to have um those relationships and share your passion and um uh, be able to talk to people about it and hear their passion and react to their passion so um have without having the friends the relationships the family there that you can it's a push pull share uh share things with that would be that'd be devastating Mm, (laughs) for sure family number one number one for sure yeah and uh you know this uh, this goes so well with the with the episode you know here with what we just talked about today because feels like community connection connection and collaboration uh, stands at the heart of, of you know what we do here as filmmakers and especially what you mentioned you know yeah collaborating with directors and creating music shaping music for film oh yeah that's it's it's one of those those key things you can definitely see when a director comes uh, and they are passionate about a, a project um, uh, and they just love 
what they're they're attached to and they want to bring it to the world you can feel that passion and you get caught up on it and that that's when when you 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 know you've got you're attaching yourself to somebody uh on a project that is going to do something it's it's that 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 passion that that just oh my god it's 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 palpable when mm, it's you, infectious. you're in the presence yeah yeah infectious yeah <laughs> right on <laughs> all right let's go to the fourth question the proof questionnaire and that goes what do you most value in your friends what do i most value in my friends 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 yeah i would say my um it would have to be the the uh, sort of, it, it's trustworthiness um being able to be a objective and tell me the truth and that's one of the things you know my best friend is it's a tired cliche but it's true my 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 wife's my best friend and um if i've got a project that i'm waffling about and i say what do you think about this is this conveying blah 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 like i, I was just reviewing a score with her yes, yesterday and i was like is this kind of got this lonely loneliness uh vibe uh you know conflicted lonely vibe and she listened to it and was like yeah and I automatically know it's like okay no I just missed the mark <laughs> you know it's it's she's able to come, come to me and it's like oh it's not like that oh you're so great you're awesome I love it I love it I love it she's able to come in and I can trust her to be able to be very objective with me and and basically give it to me and not not in you know a demeaning way or for sure transparency like, you know, transparency, transparency. Yeah. it goes down to yeah. transparency for sure yeah. nice and uh, this leads us to the fourth question on the proof uh, to the fifth, fifth question let's question. wrap it up the yeah let's wrap it up we got to go we got to go <laughs> and that is what is your idea of perfect happiness oh perfect happiness is where you know where i am right now i think is uh you know being able to come home to a um a family that i love um have friends that are uh, in a community that is supportive um is passionate about their work and being able to work in a job that i absolutely love i just you know and that job brings other people joy brings other people value it's fantastic yeah i That's that's my answer. That's my final answer. <laughs> I love it. That's really good. That's really good. That wraps it up very very well. And that being said, you know, um, I want to thank you for joining us here on Aww, episode 34 you, of Room Tone the Radio Show. Um, every Thursday here at 11 a.m., we bring in different guests from the film community here in Vancouver, and we talk about film. Uh, we talk about filmmaking. We just we just love it. We can't we can't do nothing without yeah, it. You know, we just we just love talking about it. So that being said, one last thing, real quick. Any shout outs? Oh my God! It's basically all the directors uh, I, I'm, I'm working with presently, future, and <laughs> in the past. Lot, the list is long. Yeah, you can't do this to me. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're gonna call it to all the people who have uh, uh, somehow crossed the Dave Chick's path. Oh, it's everybody you know, in the film Google. community. It's yeah, celebrate you guys. It's right awesome. on. A big awesome. hug to the whole film community. Totally. This is Rogerio, your host. Uh, I'll catch you next Thursday at 11 a.m. here on Cooperate 100.5 FM. And this is the soundtrack of the Grand Budapest Hotel, of course, Dave. Chick chose it and uh, composed by Alexandre Desplat. Everybody, enjoy.
Thank you.